Welcome to The Rouse Project, a podcast covering no bullshit, 100% real, raw, and unfiltered rags to riches stories from amazing human beings around the world with emphasis on life, personal development, family, tech, and marketing. Of course, I'm your host, Ivan Temelkov. And ladies and gentlemen, I have a doozy of an episode today, and I'm joined by the amazing Karen McCall. Hello, Karen. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ivan. So happy to be here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we dive into chatting with Karen, I want to introduce Karen. I'm very excited. Tell you a little bit about her, and then she'll dive more into her story. And we'll chat about some things that you want to hang on to and learn more about. So Karen is a legendary money expert and the founder of the Financial Recovery Institute. In the last 33 years, she's helped hundreds of business owners better understand their relationship with money and learn how to better their business. And as of recently, Karen is also the founder of MoneyGrit, a software for money management for small business. Wow, Karen. So before we hit record, we were just chit-chatting a little bit, and I think the excitement was building up. I was like, wow, this is going to be fascinating. But before, you know, as, as they say, put the cart before the horse, let's, let's go a little bit way back. Let's start a little bit with your story with you know, your early beginnings, you know, upbringings. Tell us, tell us a little bit, a little bit, a little bit about yourself, where you've been, what you've seen. Great. Okay. Well, my story started, it wasn't, I did not have a good childhood. You know, I just did not. Um, I, I was really kind of shuffled around for, you know, from the time I was an infant, different relatives and so on. And I also was really sick. Um, you'll kind of tell how old I am when I tell you I had polio during the polio epidemic. I had a kidney disease and surgeries, you know, removing kidney, et cetera. So I wasn't off to a very good start. And I really didn't think I'd live very long. Right. Yeah. And so really, um, I went to finally went to live with an aunt and uncle, which was great because I had stability for the first time. I was probably, you know, 10, 11, something like that. And the only career advice I got, and because I really didn't go to school much, you know, those early years mm -hmm. at all. And so the only career advice I got was from my aunt who put a little newspaper thing on top of my dresser one day to become a dental assistant. So I became a dental assistant. I went to work at 17 right out of high school. And I stayed in that job, no benefits. I mean, a two week paid vacation and a few holidays a year. For 17 years. Wow. Never a long time. Me, never occurred to me that anything was wrong with that. So I got married, I had two little kids, and my whole thing was just subsidizing my husband's salary. Yeah. You know, and um, but I what I loved about it is I did get to run the whole office and I, you know, I knew everything. So I I I don't know, I just finally um, went through a divorce. Yeah. And ended up with more money than I'd ever had. And um, I married my second husband, mm -hmm. who was a college professor, um, taught American history. And short marriage, but he really awakened a love for learning and mm -hmm. a love for um, travel. So I left that marriage fairly soon and was single for a long time. And during that time, I've got, I, you know, because I'd gone back to school, I was married with him. So then I decided to move from Sacramento to San Francisco, you know, the big city. My daughter had gone yeah. to college there. I thought it would be great. So I went to work for the second largest computer company in the world in sales and marketing. And you would think if you would have seen me, you would have thought, wow, what a success. Mm -hmm. I had a company car. I was in a big, round, beautiful glass building overlooking the bridge carrying a briefcase, beautiful suits. But what you wouldn't have known was that I had this dirty little secret. And that is that on top of my refrigerator, I had this big round deep bowl that all my bills went in. And even bills from the IRS, it's like out of sight, out of mind, right? Right. So um, it, was, it was really getting bad. And I came home one day and on my apartment door, was an eviction notice that if I didn't pay my rent by a certain date, they wow. were going to evict me. So I had been ignoring that big bowl. I'd never learned anything about money. I had been married most of my life and, you know, yeah. men had always taken care of money. And um, so the, the day came where I, that was the day that I had to pull that bowl down. 
And at the time I was dating a guy that, I mean, this will really date me, but um, when they had these binders of self-help cassettes, do you yep. know what they are, you know? Yep. And so I thought I poured a glass of wine and brought down these cassettes. And there was one called possibility thinking. I put that on, it was by Dr. Robert Schuler, And I just started opening those bills and making a list. And I had no idea what I was going to do, Ivan. Absolutely zero. And it was my <laughs> secret, so nobody really knew. Yeah. And um, so I looked in the yellow pages for help. And what I found were budget counselors and financial people. Mm-hmm. And I, so I thought, well, obviously, investment people don't want to talk to me. I have no money. Um, so I tried the budget counseling route. And um, it lasted about, you know, two months, because what they wanted to do was pay my bills, I would turn my paycheck over to them, pay my bills, and give me a little amount of money to live on. And I just, I was really at a bottom. I mean, it was like, what am I going to do? And uh, so in that process, I, I just thought, you know, I have to get smart with money. Yeah. And so I started my own process and I was just always fascinated with making budgets and doing this type of thing. And um, we'll fast forward a couple of years. Um, oh, and what I did during that time, I did some serious therapy mm-hmm. because I recognized I was a tough case that there had to be something a lot more going on than just the lack of knowledge about handling money. So I went to therapy and that was a big help to a certain extent, but still I wasn't dealing with the money. Yeah. And so out of that, fast forward a couple of years, I thought, you know what? There are probably a lot of people like me who are kind of caught in this gap. They don't need the budget counselors or the budget counselors aren't going to work for them because mm-hmm. there's mental and emotional and spiritual aspects to our relationship with money, as well as the practical money management. And so I just, um, At that time, I thought, what am I going to do? And I was also miserable at that job that seemed so great to everybody on the outside. And so I I was dating the guy that I've been with now for over 30 years. And um, Mm -hmm. he's my husband. And I told him, I said, you know, I have this idea that I want to help people like me um, who have problems with money. And he just said, Oh, I think you'd be so good at that. He said financial recovery. So he kind of named the business. Yeah. Um, So that's how it all started. Oh, wow. So as you were talking about this, though, is like I was I almost I was almost waiting. Like when you said the guy that you've been dating for 30 years, like you finally found the partner that believed in you and said, yes, you should go for that. That's an amazing idea. But as we know, Well, I shouldn't say as we know, because a lot of entrepreneurs, at least in their early stages, have amazing ideas, but they never do anything with those ideas. It's just like whimsical thinking. It's like, but there's there's actually no follow through. There's no action. That's actually a mistake that I made in in my early days is that I had these great ideas, but I was like, no, that's not worth it. It's not worth doing. I wouldn't be good at it. And that's because I was so paying attention to the externals, what everybody else was saying. And I think that's kind of a phase that you went through. Like you were so kind of subconscious of like everything that was happening in your world that you were slowly forgetting about what is it that I want? What did I go through? What's important to me? And little did you know, you were sitting on this amazing idea that turned into a business to help people with money. Now, One thing I want to mention for viewers and listeners that's very important is you said emotion and money. And this is so true. And I think it's especially with entrepreneurs is because I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that more money will help you solve your problems. That's not true. If you have an emotion towards money, right? Because a lot of entrepreneurs will make money and then they'll spend it. I know too many entrepreneurs that churn multimillionaires and they lost it overnight because of greed because of expensive habits, buying fancy cars, big houses, spending on stuff, materialistic things. So this is where I'm getting excited about. So let's talk a little bit about the Financial Recovery Institute. Tell us a little bit about what that is and how does it help people understand why why money matters? Yeah. 
You know, everything you're saying is so right on, by the way. I'll let you know that. So, um, yeah, well, when I started, I, I had my very first client February 2nd, 1989. And that had followed a year of just talking to everybody I knew, you know, and just putting together what I thought people would need, kind of what I felt I needed. And I felt that my client base would primarily be people like me, people who had debt and so on. And what I was surprised with right from the get-go, one of the first people that was referred to me by a therapist was a woman who had inherited $4 million. Maybe it was more than that, but it was a lot. (laughs) And she was on her last 100,000 and she was hemorrhaging it away. Wow. And, And so, it was important for me to start really expanding my idea of who could benefit from this work. So for a few years, I focused on, um, you know, really developing a process that started with people and their personal finances. Um, and, and then I, what I recognized was that anyone who had their own business, they had a back door. Like, oh, you want to, you know, we're going to like set some boundaries around my spending, but I can just do this over in my business. So I recognized within the first few months that I had to add a business component to small business owners. Right. And um, and so I I did this for a few years and I'll, I'll kind of tell you the sequence that I would take people through. And then an amazing thing happened. And that is that my very, very first client and a few of my early clients said, We love what this has done for us. We want you to train us. And so I developed the world-class money coach training program. Mm -hmm. And I started training money coaches. And at that time, it was hard. People had to fly to California. We didn't have Zoom, right? We didn't have (laughs) GoToMeet. And it was an expensive endeavor for people. And it was also so... um, dense. I mean, we'd have to do a lot in a week, you know, and then leave and come back a few months later, we do another intensive week. So um, I I was doing both. I still had my practice and and I was training many coaches. And, um, and then the time came where I gave up my private practice and just trained many coaches. And then Mm -hmm. later we'll talk about kind of now what I'm venturing into, but I love, you know, having 33 years being in business to really have it have it evolve and change, which, which you're describing, you know, Hey, things have really changed for you recently. You know, uh, 30 years, 33 years in business is a long time. And I could be wrong here, but let's just say that you learn a few things in 33 years of business. Uh, And I, again, I could be wrong here, but there's probably been a lot of trial and error, a lot of failures, you know, a lot of like, what the hell, you know, like, why did this happen? I mean, maybe you have huge aspirations for something. I think most entrepreneurs do, right? Because you go into this and you think, I have the biggest and brightest idea in the world. And this is going to be the most successful thing. And then you find out that, okay, maybe it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And you have all these hurdles and challenges. But it was interesting you said that when you started doing this, like how surprised you were to see how many people had money problems. And I think even now, especially with COVID that we're still in is I think close to what 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. It's a really it's, high number. Yeah. It really is a high number, which if you ask me, that's a prime opportunity to figure out how to start a business because if you're living paycheck to paycheck, I mean, you're not going to change your status quo if you keep maintaining the status quo. And I think that's what most people think is that, hey, if I just keep working at this job, I'll make enough money over what, 20, 30, 40 years? By that time, you might be dead, you know? So speaking about money, you know, let's continue the conversation around, you know, how to to manage money a little bit smarter. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think it's important since we're talking about money here is to share with viewers and listeners some tips around how do you manage money smarter, whether it's, you know, you as an individual or for your business? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I believe, Ivan, is that you'll never re- reach your professional or personal goals unless you become really smart with money. Um, and that means that we have to be really conscious and connected to our money because the money, the numbers tell our story. Interesting. They tell the story about our belief systems. They tell our 
Um, they, they just tell a lot about our mindset. Um, and so there's so much to learn in the numbers. And what a lot of entrepreneurs do is it's all rear view mirror counting. You know, they look mm. at their numbers after the fact, maybe once a year when they have to do it for taxes and maybe more often. Um, but rear view mirror counting is not a way to really begin to understand your behaviors with money. And that's why mm. I went into the software business. My very first money management system was called MoneyMinder. And it was a paper and pencil system. And then because there was nothing on the market that I could use, and I'll go into details in a few minutes and kind of yeah. tell you what I think is important for people in looking at their money and how they get to understand more about themselves. Um, and then I went to the Money Minder program, went to Excel. And then in 2013, we launched our first software program. Um, web-based software program. And now of course it's dated. So we just launched a new one in 2020. I never intended to go into the software business, mm -hmm. you know, but technology really changed that. So in addition to be getting, to getting conscious and connected to your money, that's number one. Um, number two is that you have to understand your belief system that drives your behaviors with money. Mm -hmm. And number three is you have to dig really deep into understanding what is really important to you, each individual. You know, um, what's really important to you may be different. You know, I mean, you've got two little kids, you know, my kids are all grown, yeah. I've got a bunch of grandkids, but what are people's deepest needs? And when you were talking earlier, when I said you were right on, when you were talking about people may have some sudden wealth or, yeah. uh, and then they buy a lot of things and then all of a sudden they lose all their money. One of the reasons for that is that we can never get enough of what we don't need and we can never get enough of the wrong stuff. Yeah. And you've seen this probably with your little kids, you know, if they ever go to a birthday party, they're a little young for that, but somebody gives them, you know, sugar yeah. all day. I mean, they're going to crash. They don't need more sugar, but they think they do, but then they're going to be bouncing off the walls. What they need is something deeply nourishing. Yeah. To balance their whole system out. So um, that is what this process is about is yeah. number one, getting conscious and connected. And you start doing that by tracking income and expenses. Yeah. And, and you get a little bit of information about that. And then this is key doing a spending plan. I don't call it a budget. I mean, some people say, hey, Karen, you're just another name for a budget, but a budget mentality can be very mm -hmm. much like a diet mentality. And we know it doesn't work, right? So I love using a spending and earning plan as, as a terminology where you begin by um, take, and then how you kind of get in touch with what your real needs are. Yeah. Um, you have to look at areas where things are missing in your life. So if we think about something that's missing, let's think about it on two levels. Um, if we are doing without something that's really important to us, there's a deep need, right? Yeah. There's some deprivation. If we're just kind of hobbling things together, never quite making anything work, we also can be left in that state of deprivation, like ah, a lot yeah. of incompletions, or if we're constantly overdoing, overspending, overworking, overdoing everything. All three of those, doing without making do and overdoing will all leave a person kind of depleted. Yeah. And, and they're doing that because they don't know how to nourish themselves at a deep level. So when, when I say dig deep to find out you know, what your deepest needs are, one of the ways to do that is we look at every area, every category in our life where we spend money. Yeah. So let me give you an example for a business owner. Yeah. We look at every category of a business and I will ask the question, tell me about your office, you know, whatever their workspace is, mm -hmm. you know, tell me about your marketing, you know, tell me about this. And, and what I'm looking for is where are they, you know, where are they spending their money? Are they getting their needs met when they're spending their money? What about their relationships, their business relationships? You know, a lot of times we pay money to professionals, but we're really not getting our needs met, but yeah. we're afraid to make a change. 
Um, so looking at every area of a person's business category, all their business categories and asking themselves, what, what do I really need in this? How's this area working for me? Yeah. I also recommend people do that for every area of their personal life. Yeah. You know, you, you look at your home and say, how does my home feel to me? You know, how's my food? You know, how, how do I feel about food? How do I right, feel about right. self-care? And, and so we want to come up with a spending plan that has categories that cover our needs. Even yeah. if at this point, we don't know how we're going to be able to come up with the money for that. It's important to identify the need. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. the, the, the next part is then you track against that plan. Right. So let's say somebody in their business says, oh my gosh, I really need a virtual assistant. I am working around the clock, Karen. I'm really overdoing. I could be yeah. having so much more time for life, you know, and for other things and to grow my business if I had a VA. We put it in the spending plan, but they don't spend it there. They see some online course and they say, let's pay for that. Right. So that shows the sabotage, yep. right? And, and unless people are tracking against a plan where they've really identified what's important to them, they won't realize that they're sabotaging all along the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a couple of things that I want to touch upon that you mentioned um, that, first of all, thank you for that, because as you were talking about these things, and I'll elaborate here in just a second is like things were almost going off in my brain that was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. No, I'm not doing this. I'm doing this. But, but the biggest things that I got that I think is really important to highlight here is you said needs versus wants and then passion and purpose and why. And you brought this up in the beginning. So without going into a further story, I should struggle with this, believe it or not, is identifying the top three things on a personal and business level that were of significant importance to me, literally for years. It's not that they weren't important to me, but I didn't know the level of importance. Right. So number one for me is family. Everything is about family. Mm -hmm. My life, my business is about family, more so that both of my kids are IVF kids. So that was like six years of a journey in itself. And now that I get to look at them, it's like, this is why I'm doing this. Right. If I'm building a legacy. I want to build it so that my kids and my wife can have a stepping platform to fulfill dreams and goals and ideas. Now that's number one. Now number two is health and fitness. And number three is entrepreneurship. Now two and three struggled for a long time because I didn't know if it was, you know, entrepreneurship and business number two and health and fitness was number three. But here's what I found out over the over the last seven years that I've been a cyclist. I'm a, I'm a road cyclist and I love cycling in the summer about 70 miles per week. It's my exhilaration. Now, what I discovered actually finally is this, that if I'm not in the best health and fitness state, if I'm not eating good, if my mindset's not right, I'm not going to perform well in my business. Right. Exactly. And so when you said these things, like, I'm like, Karen, you're making my day here. Like I'm hearing these things. I'm like, okay, I mean, you're doing this, you're doing this, but then you said needs versus wants. And that's where I think I struggle is because as you were talking about in an office environment and now with COVID and zoom, I mean, we operate virtually my business. So it's like, okay, do I have a necessity for a ginormous monthly rent? Not really. I think it will be great for company culture, but would I want to spend two grand or more a month just for company culture with very minimal time involvement? And that's where it's like, you know, needs versus wants, like you said. But this is really important because I know, you know, being in the entrepreneurial community and coming from an entrepreneurial background, I literally see a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, fall prey to this because they don't define their goals. They don't define their wine purpose. They don't define their needs and wants. And they just go, I just want to make a shitload of money. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And then they make money. And guess what? Their spending habits grow. Like I know a former boss of mine was like, 
I'm buying a half a million dollar yacht. I'm like, dude, do you really need a half a million dollar yacht? Like, let's think about it. Could you invest half a million dollars on something else? Like something that maybe will set you up for long-term success, maybe real estate or growing your business or some coaching or something, right? It's like half a million dollars on a freaking boat. And so that's where I think priorities come into play, right? Like you said, is this that what is that money going to be spent on? So ultimately you have to make that decision. And when you make that decision, you get to live with those consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you, you, you said something really, really important. And that is one of the things you described is that you have a deep need um, to take good care of your family. You, you went through a lot to have these babies. You love your babies. You love your wife. Yep. That is a priority. You also, so let's say you were my client and you weren't there, you know, mm-hmm. we were working on your personal spending plan. And I'd say, Hey, Ivan, tell me about you and food. And, and we'd also get to exercise and you'd go, yeah, you know, we eat fast food every day and, you know, we hate to cook and shop and all that. Well, we would then spend time looking at what your needs really are to deeply nourish yourself, you know, not to just be, Oh, I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to do this or that. Um, And, and you're clear. So you're clear on your values, you're clear on your interests. And, um, and then that feeds you at a deep spiritual level to have that connection with your family and with your body. You know, we have to take care of ourselves first. I mean, if we don't, I'm 77 years old, I'll be 78 in July. And people are amazed that I'm still running two businesses. And, um, but I take care of myself. And the other thing is I do have a great guy in my life. You know, it's, it's very, I feel very blessed during this time of COVID. I have a lot of single friends. Mm -hmm. They're home alone. They don't have a lot of contact and we work and we work together and we really have a, have a good time doing it. But um, when you get in touch with your needs, then you can start really creating the life that you want. And the other thing, sometimes people feel down deep. The -hmm. belief is that I don't deserve. I'm not worthy. And maybe they grew up in a family where they were not valued or their parents were maybe incapable of really nourishing that part of them where they believed that they were worthy and that their needs were important. So they may just be cut off from needs and they just want the quick fixes. Um, so it's very important, even if a person doesn't know how they're going to meet their needs, their first objection will be, but I don't have the money to do that. But when we start seeing that we put it in and we, we spend money in other places, um, if we continue to get, one of the things I have people do is a wants and a needs list. And it's one of the things that I built right into money grit. Yeah. There's a, there's a wants and need exercises right in money grit. And, and then let's say little things, right? One of the things important to me is I drink water all day long. Okay. Yeah. Sounds kind of silly, but a lot of times people say, I get so busy. I don't take time to go to the bathroom and I don't drink water. Um, so as yeah. people start taking care of the deprivation on, in little things, it starts pushing them deeper so that they go, wow, it feels good to meet my needs. Like you talked, yeah. it feels good to go exercise. It feels good to, you know, do these things to take care of myself. And once that shift starts happening, that's when people are going to be able to grow and succeed um, with their dreams, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. they have to be at least involved in that process before they will even be able to access their vision because they're at survival. You know, if people are out of touch with their needs, everything feels like survival. And I've seen this with people who have money and people who don't have money. Yeah. Uh, Karen, what can I say? I, first of all, I'm a firm believer that people come in your life for a reason. So Mm -hmm. I think you are on this podcast and we've met for a reason yet to be defined. But as you were talking so you were, you were talking about you drink water. So believe it or not, I used to be a huge disbeliever in water because nobody in my family being an Eastern European drank water. We drank soda like it was water. Mm-hmm. And finally, a few years ago, I was told, Ivan, you need to drink a gallon of water per day. Yeah, Ivan, you need to. It was like, Ivan, you need to drink water. You need to drink water. I'm like, nah, I don't need water. There were a few times where like three days I wouldn't drink water and I'd be sore. And I'll be like, what is going on with my body? 
And then yeah. when I started really embracing it more and more, I realized that in doing some research is that first of all, we need water in our bodies. It flushes our system. And in doing so, it gives you better clarity, better focus, more energy also. But guess what? Society will say water is not cool. H2O is not cool. In fact, I'm on my first one today and I still need to go up to 98 ounces. So that's a 16.9 bottle right there. But you see that right there is what you said is this that that's why when I mentioned on goals, number two was health and fitness is yeah. because if I can't be mentally and physically in my best state, and this is for any entrepreneur, this is for anyone who aspires to be the best version of themselves. And interestingly enough, we're talking about money and you're saying exactly that. You're saying that if you don't change, if you don't remove your bad habits, introduce good ones, like things like drinking water and investing in personal development and understanding your needs, you're not going to make money work for you. Right. And it's so, so, and you know, what's really sad and actually on that note is that I think in the society that we live in is a vast majority of the world attributes success to how many dollar signs you have in your bank account. And you actually mentioned it earlier because you said that your, your needs, your goals, uh, your, your purpose and your why have a direct attribution to the amount of money that you make. So it's really interesting because I'm sure you've heard this. A lot of people say that, you know, uh, money is just a vehicle, right? It's not a direct representation, but it does have a representation and attribution of who do you, what are your choices? You know, what are your goals? What are your needs? What do you want to accomplish? Like, you know, uh, Elon Musk of Tesla, right? I mean, he's a self-made billionaire. Well, I guess self-made billionaire or teammate billionaire, but nonetheless, you know, he has focused on that why, on that purpose, you know, building electric cars, building rockets for NASA, you know, and the boring company and all of that. Like, those were his goals since day one. So the billionaire, which I just heard that he's by a billion dollars richer uh, than um, I drew a blank. The guy that owns Amazon. <laughs> oh, uh, Bezos. Bezos, Jeff Bezos, by yeah. a billion recently. So. Interestingly, you were talking about this is because I think most entrepreneurs, most people really, especially in the U.S. where 70 percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, don't understand the emotional connection to money. Because mm -hmm. when you think about it is this when you get more money, if you have more problems, financial problems or whatever, what do you do? You get emotional about it. You say, okay, I need to spend it, right? I need to buy this stuff or I need to pay this off, right? As opposed to what do I need to do, yeah. right? Do I need to save this or do I, do I really need to pay that off, right? Or do I need to do this? So it's really interesting that you're talking about this and that you coach people through this, but it, you know, it's, it's not popular. It's not like, I feel like so many people don't understand how money works and because so many people want more money, but they're unwilling to position themselves to earn more money, which is mental, physical, your why, your purpose, your needs, right? So you were talking about also age, because I wanted to bring this up. I know you said you were 78 years old, right? 77, 77 until July. Until July, right. So this year, seven, 78th birthday coming up here, right? But I, I think age is just a number, honestly. I, I think age is, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this because you've been in business for 33 years and you, you said that I, I feel like now running two businesses that, you know, things are like really starting to come to fruition, right? After all this time. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, what's your take on your 78 you know, about to be 78 to, to businesses, what advice would you give to other 77, 78 year olds? Well, I mean, to anybody, right. Mm -hmm. To anybody is if you start by looking at, I recommend look at every category of your personal life and ask yourself, how do I feel about it? You know, mm -hmm. we talked about home, food, transportation, self-care, medical care, you know, to just kind of get a sense of, um, if we were taking care of all of our needs, what would we need to earn to do that? So I always, the, the many coaches I train, I have them start people on their personal finances. 
Now you know how much you need to earn to pay yourself. Okay. Then you do the very same thing in business. Okay. Now what do I need to just run my business? And then how much do I need to grow my business? Now a person is armed with an actual dollar amount of what they need to earn. A lot of times people will pick a number out of the air. Like it's popular to say, if you earn this or that, but what would it take for each person? And then as a business owner, you can then come up with the plan for how you're going to do that. And the number one objection that any business owner has when they contact a money coach and think they might want to work with a money coach is, Mm -hmm. well, how can I plan when I don't know how, how much I'm going to earn? And that's just making it sound like I have no control over it. And the opposite is true. If someone does absolutely have an idea of what they need to earn, now they're armed with something concrete rather than just, you know, some number. But what I would say that the thing that I would say to anyone is when I was at 45, which was older than you are when I started my business, um, I never dreamt, I, I, I just couldn't have imagined that. I mean, I had yeah. a vision to be an entrepreneur, um, but I had no idea that my, my business would come, you know, that I would go from coaching to training and then software yeah. development. And then um, my husband, who's seven years younger than I am, last year before COVID, um, we, well, it was the year before, we decided that he would retire. He was going to work until he was 70, but we mm-hmm. decided that he would retire early because he has glaucoma and he was losing his eyesight. Yeah. We decided to take off and live in Europe for two or three years. Wow. You know, and I ran my businesses from Europe. We, we yeah. only had 10 months before we had to head back because of COVID, but we're planning to hopefully head back, you know, th- this fall again, to finish our, our travels in Europe. And hey, have computer and you know have phone. We'll travel. Exactly. I can still run my business. And because we're so grounded in in our money, it's like we knew that we could do. We knew we could do it, yeah. and we knew that we could go to some countries and pay very little to live for a while, and then we could go to London and Paris for Christmas. Right. And um, you know, it'd be a very different story. So. Our vi- we can't get to our vision. I, I couldn't have imagined that. And, and I've had hundreds of clients where when they come in and they start telling maybe their story for the first time, their worries about money and their situation. And I will even wonder, you know, uh, what are the solutions going to be for them? Because it seems impossible. But what, I, what I've learned is if you do the footwork and you trust the process, solutions appear that we can't even imagine yeah and and you know i mean who knew that my husband's glaucoma yeah would say hey it's time we don't want to wait until you're older we don't know how this glaucoma is going to um evolve right and um so it's very very hard to get to our vision unless we have learned to to take care of our needs at a really deep level Yeah. You know, a couple of things that you said that I wanted to expand upon. So you say you were 45 years old when you started your business. And um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions in entrepreneurship is just that I think people think that there's a certain age, a certain time that things are supposed, it's almost prefabricated or they prefabricate that, you know, some people there's like those goal oriented people say, okay, by 30, I'm going to be a millionaire. And by 20, I'm going to do this. And by 25, I'm going to do that. And it's like they're 30 and it's like, oh, shit, like I'm, I'm nowhere where I want to be. And it's like you have to entrust in God in the process. You, you have to entrust that things are happening to you for a reason. And, you know, for me, is I've been divorced once. It's a terrible marriage. You know, I've been bankrupt before. Learned a lot from that. I've had to move my family around a lot of times. And I would question, like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? I have the best of intentions. I'm a hard worker. You know, I'm going after my goals and dreams. Why is this happening? Well, it's happening because it's meant to happen. Literally. And now several years after this has happened is like starting to see the traction and the momentum that's being developed. And like you said, I mean, nowadays you can run a business, you know, from Zoom, from your smartphone, and you can even live halfway across the world and do it. 
All you need is a laptop, a phone, and internet. That's literally it. And what's really fascinating about that, that you said this, is so ironic because I've spent 26 years of my life since when we immigrated to the U.S. at 14, living on technology. But I feel like he has taken 26 years to figure out how to utilize that technology to be able to communicate, to be able to make money, to build relationships, to meet people like you. After all, this podcast started six years ago when podcasting wasn't even hot then. And now it's like everybody's got a podcast because everybody's realized that, you know, you've got video, you've got audio. I mean, here's a little bit of technology, you know, pick up this software for 30 bucks per month and you can do everything that you need to. It's so accessible, but you still need to be resourceful to know how to use those things. Well, one of the things that's cool about your story, Ivan, is that, you know, when when I read your story about coming to the U.S. at 14 and being bullied and, you know, not treated well, and your savior was technology, right? Yeah. And, And then that ended up becoming something that you can do to support your family and grow your wealth. Yeah. And um, so often we think, and, and, you know, mine, my dark night of the soul, you know, I wasn't bullied, but I'll tell you, I was pretty darn scared and alone that night in my apartment when I brought down that bowl from the top of my refrigerator. Yeah. And who knew that that dark night, you know, would lead to, you know, being able to really make a difference in people's lives. I can get emotional when I think about it because as much as I do like earning money and it's definitely been one of my goals, what has given me the most satisfaction is when I can put my head down on the pillow at night and know that I've made a difference in people's lives, you know? And and now I get to do that with all the people I've trained who go out there and help people. And, um, and now I'm going to start another thing. You know, I decided since I've spent most of my professional life training money coaches to help people. Now what I'm going to do is I'm starting a membership group where I can work with just people, you know, where I've got 33 years of intellectual property that now I want to use, um, in a way that I can, make that material available to a lot of people at a really affordable, low, yeah. low cost. So, you know, we just keep evolving, but your dark night, you know, that was your savior. I mean, you, you would yeah. go in there and you had all your technology to keep you happy and look at you now with your big microphone. And yeah, yeah. It's, you know, first of all, I appreciate you being so vulnerable because, but a couple of things I wanted to mention is we all have stories. We all have unique stories. They're not meant to be compared. They're meant to share with others, to inspire and to create impact. In fact, impact is one of the core values behind my company Mm -hmm. is to create an impact through technology, through human connections, through face-to-face, through relationships Mm -hmm. to create impact. So your story of that bowl (laughs) is largely in part the reason of why you're doing what you're doing today. And it doesn't matter if you make $200,000 or $200 million, it will always be at the core of who you are as long as you retain it. And that's a driving force. I know that because I've heard that from some of the most successful people in the world that say you got to have that driving force, which is in part the why. So your why is that bowl? You never want to face that bowl again because he, he gave you such a, I mean, created stress, anxiety, discomfort, and you knew you could do better. You knew that you had a lot more to offer. But at the end of the day, as I tell people, is like, and I have an actual similar client who I had a conversation with. I said, because he's kind of struggling spiritually. I said, look, God's going to help you, but he's not going to do it for you. Right. You know, you got to do it. You got to take action. You got to be proactive. And so what you said that night, you said, no more. I'm going to take action. You took initiative, which is what 70% of Americans are unwilling to do because they would rather settle for that status quo. And guess what? You're still stressed. You're still depressed. You're still broke after you get paid. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life like that. My family deserves a lot more. And so to you, I want to say, I think you are one of those inspirational stories. And in fact, you should tell that story more about the bowl, because I think every time you say that people will really, really connect with 
Why are you doing? Why does the Financial Recovery Institute exist? Why do you coach people? That's why, because I've been there. I know what it feels like to hit that rock bottom. And I don't want to be there again, ever. And I'll do everything possible to stay away. But that's the challenging part is this that what's it going to take? And are you willing to do it? Because a lot of people, you know this, you work with a lot of people who probably make a lot of money. And I've seen people who make a lot of money and they're unhappy because they have no connection to the money. Like you said, the need, the why, the purpose. Like, why, why are you doing this? Are you just doing it to say, you know, well, I got a lot of money. Okay, great. But how are you utilizing that money? Are you creating impact in the world? You know, are you influencing other people? Now, that's me. It's like everything that I do with technology and marketing, I'm looking to impact and influence others so they can become a better version of themselves, build their businesses, be successful. And as a result, they can reciprocate that as well. It's like a chain effect almost. And so that was the thing that I want to share. The only other thing that I actually wanted to ask you before we wrap up the episode is about expenses. I would love to hear your thoughts on how can you control expenses better? Well, first is you have to be really connected and conscious about what they all are. You know, when I created my categories, one of the things I realized the last couple of years, since we use more and more services, vendors mm -hmm. all the time, and I would have some in marketing category and I would have some in overhead. This year, when I created my spending plan categories and money grit for my business, I just did a vendor section, you know, and I listed every single ven vendor, Zoom, yeah. um, Active Campaign, you know, all of them. And yeah. now I'm analyzing them. But, but when they were kind of all scattered around in different categories, I thought, you know, um, and there's some, you know, I have two Zoom, for example, I have two Zoom um, yep. Sub, uh, subscriptions. Yep. And, you know, do I really need two? And so there's just a lot of things to analyze. Analyzing your numbers is really important. And that's why, you know, when I said right from the get-go, um, I don't know if I said it exactly this way, but mm -hmm. I think the number one predictor of a person's success in life and in business is their relationship to money. And so um, that's how we look at expenses. And then when we look at those expenses, we ask ourselves, so let's say you do a spending plan and yeah. I'm up short, it's a minus, right? Right. And you've created your needs and you want to meet your needs. Then the goal is, and that's something I've built in Money Grid, is an adjustment process where you say, can I need this, meet this need in a way that costs less or no money? Because you're still focusing on your needs. Can I meet this need yep. in a way that costs less or no money? And so you keep going through your spending plan and then you will really be evaluating your expenses when you do that. Because you go, I could meet my needs if I made this much more. Well, do I need to make more or spend less? That's the yeah. question to ask. No, that's a really good point. But, you know, the biggest takeaway that I got out of that, and hopefully viewers and listeners do too, is your relationship to money. Because it goes back to, again, is, you know, lavish lifestyle. Is, you know, um, example, do you need to buy grocery or are you going to spend that money on shoes? And do you really need grocery or do you really need shoes? Right. And it's just like it's about the choices. And honestly, what's so fascinating about this, speaking of money, is this that because I see this every day on social media. Uh, Instagram is one of the most notorious ones of the flashy lifestyles, when in reality, most of those people are broke. It's just flashy lifestyle and or they're splurging money on things that they don't really have money for to basically create a front. And. You know, this goes back to, you know, talking about being bullied also is that I thought at some point, OK, well, if I had more 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 money, you know, my life would change. I would be happier. No, I need to find happiness inside myself first, because if I don't, money is not going to give me happiness. And so it's really interesting. You're talking about these mind shifts of how you view money expenses on a personal level on business also, which they're really interconnected, I think specifically is because who you are as a person is going to reciprocate to your business because you're a direct attribution to your business. In fact, one thing that, that we talk about is people buy you. It doesn't matter how small or big of a brand you have, they buy you because you are the face of the brand. So if they don't have a connection. So uh, with that being said, thank you for you know sharing that, that on expenses. I think that's probably one of the really big ones. And that is, again, 
your relationship with money, how you view money and how you spend money will determine on how small or how big your expenses are. You know, it's like for me, it was like, you know, um, I wanted an Audi R8 exotic car. It's one of the dream cars that I want to have in my garage. But to go out and buy it right now, financially would not make any sense. Now, later on, maybe a couple of years or a year later, once the business, you know, is doing a lot better, maybe. And that's a big maybe also, because then you look at also, okay, you know, is my family safe? We're looking to buy our dream house this year. You know, did we buy the dream house? Okay, we got the dream house. Okay, what else do I need that's going to help support my family? It goes back to the goals. That's what people need to understand is what are your goals? You know, go back to your goals. Use that money as a need, not as a want. And that's where I think those expenses that you are talking about will be mitigated. So, Karen, I know we could keep talking endlessly. So much value that you share. But before we sign off on this episode, please tell the viewers and the listeners, how can they connect with you? Social handles, website, email, anything you can think of. Okay, well, I will tell you, I have a book called Financial Recovery, Developing a Healthy Relationship with Money. And I did, when I wrote this book, I really tried to put as much of the process that I would take a client through in the book. So that can be Mm -hmm. a good help uh, support for people. Financialrecovery.com is where you will find out about my membership class, my membership group. And then moneygrit.com is where you'd find out about the software. And one of my needs in my business is I do have Facebook, but I need to be doing more on social media. So handles, I don't know that I even have them, but okay. Financialrecovery.com and moneygrit.com. Awesome. Awesome, Karen. Karen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm so thank you you for sharing all the insight that you did. I know there's a lot of value. Speaking of money, the viewers and listeners hopefully extract from this episode. And I look forward to continuing the conversation out there in the digital stratosphere. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ivan. Bye-bye.